Trumpet Dynamics is published by the GSD Audio Network. To listen to previous episodes and to subscribe to James Newcomb's prestigious email newsletter, visit trumpetdynamics.com. Featured guest for today is none other than Manny Loriano, the man, the myth, the legend, longtime principal trumpeter with the Minnesota Orchestra, also the conductor of the Bloomington Minnesota Orchestra, as well as the conductor and director of the Minnesota Youth Symphonies. Manny, what an honor to have you on the first episode of this podcast. James, it's always great to get a chance to talk to you and um, see what see what secrets I have to share <laughs> with the with the listening public. All right. Well, here we are. We're recording this on April 14th, so I assume that you're able to thaw out a little bit after the brutal Minnesota winters. And, yes. Uh, yeah. It's really lovely outside, in fact. Today was a really good day. All right. Well, let's just get right down to business here. This podcast is all about... Uh, performance anxiety. Uh, it's helping us be the best performers that we can be. And sometimes to ta- to be the best, sometimes you have to talk about your worst. And so, Manny, I want you to take us to what you consider to be your worst moment as a performer. And it could be as a professional, it could be as an amateur, it could be a student. It's your choice, but take us to a moment where you just flat out fell on your face. Tell us the story <laughs> what you did to deal with it. There have been so many. <laughs> Actually, um, fortunately, they have been few and far between, but, you know, they can be significant. And uh, the one that came to mind, um, there, there, were, there were two uh, important uh, occurrences. The first one, I remember I was playing uh, Shostakovich, um, first symphony with the late um, Maestro Skrobachevsky. And man, it just was not happening that day. I was really, really quite upset. Uh, the little quiet solo didn't go well. Uh, there, there were just gremlins everywhere, it seemed. And I just couldn't get the kind of mental focus that I needed. And uh, I remember very clearly afterward calling Arnold Jacobs and saying, you know, I had one of those nights and um, I basically asked him what you're asking here. And he said, listen, it happens to all of us first and first of all, you got to know that you've got company. He says he can remember times when uh, Bud Herseth left through the, uh, the back door rather than the front door, as was his penchant 99.99% of the time. Uh, 
And he said the, the same about himself. The, the point being is that everybody has an off night. Now, the um, and he, he kind of talked me through and, and sort of helped me uh, boost my confidence up, you know, by just giving me things to to focus on uh, in, in terms of singing more and more clearly when I play. And that's that's a big one right there. I'm sorry, uh, singing? Yeah, oh yeah, okay. absolutely. So you're singing while, while you're playing. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's one of those wonderful phenomena that um, Bud Herseth also talked to me about. Um, I don't know if you remember the days where of, of, of LPs where, depending on what kind of stereo equipment you had, when you set the needle down about a second and a half before the music came on, there was a very, very faint, what Bud referred to as a pre-echo of the music that you would hear if you listened very carefully. And he said, this is what the successful trumpet player does. He, he has this sound of the horn playing all the notes just like an instant before you play them. Now, as people are scratching their heads wondering about this, let's think about something. How many times have we been in lessons and you flub something and this teacher says, well, do it again. And then you focus on what was wrong. You missed the high A flat, uh, the, the, the middle C was out of tune, whatever. And then you, you hear the note clearly in, in your head that you wanted to play. And then you go and you play it. And then the second time it goes well. So let's understand that the process of playing successfully is making the second time the first time. Using the mental energy that you need that you put in the second time around, you do it the first time. So it's not just a question of putting your, the horn to your face mindlessly and expecting things to happen, even though you may have the perception that the great players do this by watching them. It looks like they're just rolling off a log. Well, there's a certain amount of repetition that goes into them appearing that way. Um, but really, the most successful players are mentally singing along with themselves as they play, which gives credence to the idea that Jacobs used to say that the instrument is a mirror of what's inside your head. If you're playing the opening promenade to pictures and going long, and hearing a clear trumpet sound, with all the notes right in tune, well, all things being equal, your face is going to make the adjustments that it needs to to play those notes correctly and in tune, just as it does when you go to correct something that you flubbed the first time and you go to correct it to play it the second time. So we need to make the second time the first time. Hmm. Is that sort of a reference to? Be, I guess what I what I imagine is, I I always give myself if I'm going to perform something, I always give myself one time to screw things up, and uh. <laughs> and, and sometimes and sometimes that means like I play f for my son who's three years old and he doesn't care either way, but I have to get a rep in before I 
know like I can have the confidence to play. Is that sort of what you're talking about? No, I think it's even more immediate than that. Uh, but but yes, you're on the 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 right track. Here, here's what it is. Imagine what a baseball game would be like if there weren't seven possibilities of pitches, four balls and three strikes. Imagine if all you were going to get was one strike. That's it. You know, because we had genetically modified human beings to be pitchers that could throw perfect strikes or a perfect curveball or a perfect knuckleball. But whatever it is, you're going to have to deal with it. Just as there are different conductors, there are different pitches that that get thrown. But imagine what baseball would be like if you didn't have the three strikes or if you didn't have the opportunity to wait for four balls to, to get you on base. It's pretty much do or die. You know, I remember with my lessons with Mr. Vacchiano that uh, I'd play something and it was okay, but not really what what I wanted it to be. He would he would stop me and go, no, 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 you only get one shot. That was a big message. That really was a big message. And I don't think that there's a Vacchiano student that you would speak to that wouldn't tell you the exact same story. So, um, yeah, I get what you're saying. We tend to let our guard around, let our guard down around our three-year-old sons, etc., and um, give ourselves kind of unlimited swings at the plate. And, you know, depending on how serious we are, we really shouldn't do that. We should really try and get it as right as we possibly can the first time. And I think that people would be amazed that that's a lot less difficult than it seems. What it requires is an incredible commitment to focus and thinking, you know, to to just wanting it. One of the reasons I think that guys like, well, again, I've, I've said Bud's name about five times now, but He's, he's the example. But I think that one of the reasons that he sounded so good all the time was because he absolutely could not stand the idea of himself sounding bad. For him, playing a bad note was like touching a hot stove. It was not a sensation that he enjoyed, not an experience that he enjoyed. Therefore, just as when you're cooking – you put your attentions to making sure you don't burn your fingers or slice part of your hand with the knife. You know, you, you, you have to put yourself in the idea of getting it right. That's not about perfection. It's not about perfection. It's about doing your best all the time. Mm. And that's, that's the mentality of, uh, if you expect perfection, then you're going to be disappointed every time. But mm -hmm. it's just that mentality of, I'm not going to make a mistake. And, you know, if I make one once or twice a year, you know, I'll live with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, a, yeah. it's just a mentality of, of expecting your very best. Right. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's funny. Uh, before we go on, uh, this weekend's concert, um, 
I wanted to give um, Lynn Erickson, who's playing with us this year, I wanted to give her the um, the weekend off. Um, it's it's her birthday week. So I said, I'll give you a present. I'll come in and, and play third trumpet for you while Chuck uh, Lazarus plays first and Bob Dora plays second. And, you know, I am just as hard as my on myself playing third <laughs> as I am playing first. If it's if it's not in tune, if I didn't articulate right or something like that, it bugs me. You know, I want to be for this weekend. I want to be the best third pops trumpet player that I can possibly be. So it's all ego. <laughs> you know, it's all ego, James. It, 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 people give the ego a bad rap, but it's very important to be to have that confidence to be a performer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you want? Who do you want as Top Gun? You know, in uh, uh, when you're when you're when you've got your squadron flying, you want whoever um, whoever the the, uh, the the lead fighter, the lead flyer to be is is you want that person to just be a cocky sob. You know, that really um, somebody that is confident, almost to the point of arrogance. Um, but you'll follow that person to battle every day. All right. Well, we uh, we've talked about your what what you consider one of your worst performance moments there in your younger days playing Shostakovich and uh, turned into a wonderful story about uh, having that confidence to make your second time the first time. But I want to see if you can bring us to an, another moment in your playing career or, or directing or conducting career for that matter. I mean, we could, we could go either way. There's so much that you've done, but, um, tell us to, about a moment where maybe you were a little hesitant as a performer and maybe, maybe you were sort of getting comfortable in your own skin, but then you said, but then you, you had a performance of some kind and you just said, okay, I've got this. I, I, I am, I'm totally confident in my skills. Does that ring a bell? Do you, can you tell us a story, oh, something like that? Good gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can remember um, playing the Hummel Trumpet Concerto when I was first in the orchestra. I, I've played it several times since with the orchestra, but um, this one performance in particular, uh, they kind of wanted to use the performance as an opportunity to sort of introduce me to the community. So I was playing the Hummel and I have a, a cornet uh, made in Austria um, that's in the key of E, perfect for the original key of the, the Hummel concerto. And uh, I got the idea to put a cadenza in from listening to uh, Maurice Andre recording. And uh, this particular cadenza that I would do would take me up to um, a high concert E above uh, above C, and then down uh, like it's like a four octave drop to a, to a pedal or something like that. And you know, um, it's it's there's sort of a, a a light and a dark side to feeling good to know when stuff is going to go. Um, and today and, and, th and that particular day, it was one of these things where I, I held that high concert E like uh, Luciano Pavarotti 
at the end of uh, Di Quella Pira, just holding the thing for forever, made the drop down to the to the pedal, and I heard <laughs> some guy in the audience just completely lose it. He, he just kind of, he just like laughed because he didn't have any other reaction, and it was the first time that uh, that I can recall where the audience at Orchestra Hall applauded in the middle of a cadenza. It was like a, like a circus act. <laughs> and um, it, it was, it was like I say, one of those things where I knew there was just no way I would be able to miss it, you know? And that's a, like I say, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. Of course, the dark side of that is, letting um letting anything that you do on the trumpet be too terribly attached to a physical feeling because when your body says to you gee it doesn't feel good today and that starts to mess with your head that's not a good thing for as good as it is when your body says man you got this and this is going to be amazing the uh the converse side of that is can be very unpleasant so um, you have to divorce yourself from this set that a feeling dictates whether you're going to play well or not. Um, Mr. Jacobs used to say all the time, he says, you know, the fact is, is that I never, my lips never feel good. So you just have to learn to lie. And that's a wonderful, powerful image. If you just think to yourself, uh, when things aren't uh, feeling quite right, that you're going to play well anyway. Um, again, all things being equal, that you have the ability to play. But just because it's a little dry out today, your lip feels a little, quote, puffy, whatever it is, you don't care. You're going to play well anyway. And that even if things aren't 100% um, perfect, that that matters little that what matters more is that you're just singing through the instrument and i'm a big 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 advocate of of uh, instrumentalists being able to sing at least at some sort of a some sort of nominal level i i don't like it when my students when i ask them to sing something and they'll sing it perfunctorily and in the wrong key i'm saying no 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 I don't care if you have to displace octaves because your range is, but I, I want you to, to, to start singing things in the right key. It's bad for you to, to not think of yourself as a singer first and brass player second. So to answer your question, those great times when you think you've got it are those times when your spirit, I think, is just singing and soaring. And those moments are fleeting. Like you said, it, it, it's, uh, you have those moments every now and then, and they're great, but sometimes you just have to fake it until you make it. Mm -hmm. Uh, just like you said, you have to lie to yourself. Well, you wear so many hats, Manny. You're the principal with the Minnesota orchestra, Bloomington orchestra, uh, so many things going on. Uh, and you have such respect. That's the one thing, or one of the things that I admire about you is you just have such respect for your work and it doesn't matter whether you're playing trumpet or conducting you just have the utmost respect for the, that thing that you're doing 
in that moment. And my question for you is, how do you stay focused? Or how, how, with everything going on, what are some things that you do to stay focused so that you can give this music the respect that you know it deserves? I think that taking the music seriously is very important. And what do I mean by that? I mean that if the music merits a little study, and I don't mean just the notes, rhythms, and, and interpretation, but I mean open up a book, get on the Google, and uh, find out a little bit about the composer, uh, find out a little bit about the, the piece itself. You're playing an opera, well, it's not gonna kill you to find out what the plot of the opera is. Find out just how important that sword theme that you're playing in um, Rheingold and Die Valkyrie and Siegfried and Die Götterdämmerung. Find out how, how important those things are. Um, be able to recognize all of the um, statements of the Idee Fix in, in the, um, the Fantastique of, of, of Berlioz. And, you know, being an educated trumpet player, I think that knowing these things not to the point of being kind of one of these um, one of these full of yourself characters that just likes to learn things for the sole purpose of expounding to others. I'm not talking about that. That's one of the most irritating kind of musician that I can, I can find. But it is just nice to to know uh, where your place is as a trumpet player, as a musician in um, any of these pieces of music. So between knowing what things are all about and being able to sing what you're doing, knowing what the second fiddles are doing while you're playing tonic and dominant just might increase your enjoyment of this Haydn, Mozart, Beethoven, Schubert symphony that you're you're thinking to yourself is just a lot of da-da-da-da. You know, there's such charming, charming music that is that is written that can really get under your under your skin, but in a good way, I mean, you know, into your heart, under your skin, through the skin to the heart. Um, and I think that if we do not take advantage of that opportunity to learn the music a little bit more from the inside out, I think we're robbing ourselves of a great opportunity it's like being a jazz player and not really saying that there's much difference between dixieland swing and um bebop okay i i think any any jazz player who who said that people would just other jazz players would look at him and just say what what are you talking about you know yeah so. well we have to take the music seriously but we're also going to take the Hot Seat segment, seriously, right after we take a moment to thank our sponsor. Manny, you are now on the hot seat. Do you think you can stand the heat? I have been on the hot seat all my life. All right, it's five minutes before you go on stage for an important performance. What are you doing? I am on stage with my horn in my hand, looking at the music and in my head going through virtually each and every lick remembering the things that were told to me in rehearsal uh the little subtle nuances 
um, and just remembering them in my head, singing things, making sure I have this rhythm, that particular lick. And I'm not talking about fingering along as I play. I'm talking about really literally doing it inside my head because one has to presuppose that by this time I've already done all of the groundwork. So that part is unnecessary. What is necessary is for me to get in the game, get into the mindset of what it is that I'm about to do. What is the best performance-related advice you've ever received? Sing while you play. Can you share one tip for our listeners to help deal with stage fright? Could be physical, mental, whatever. Lots of practice. Now that sounds simple, but what I mean by that is repetition is the most important part of what we do. In the course of a week, we're not going to be able to repeat a bunch of licks a thousand times. Um, but one has to assume that you have done the kind of work for your, in technical studies so that the lick you're going to play is just, um, well, let's put it this way. If you're going to play Petrushka, you have played in your life many F major arpeggios. You have played a bunch of um, slurred thirds up into the high register. You have played enough diatonic licks from the Clark Second Studies book. That's what I'm talking about. That's the groundwork that I'm talking about. So um, you then have to make sure that you immerse yourself in the amount of repetition that you need so that when you go to play, it's just another repetition. Now, having said that, there are some times where your heart just will go off on its own. And this is where the miracle of modern pharmaceuticals is such an important thing. Um, propanolol, otherwise known in some circles as endorol, is something that can be of tremendous aid to musicians. I know that it has been for me. Um, because what propanolol does is that it doesn't make you suddenly into the next Maurice Andre. It does, however, let you be you. It lets you be the best you. If the best you has practiced and said his or her prayers and uh, done all the things that are necessary for performance, then you're going to play probably up to the top of, of, of your level. Um, if you assume that you can go into some performance and then take a pill and suddenly you're going to sound like a genius where well, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Um, so there was a one point where people just would say, oh my God, you're taking drugs before performance as well. That's just silly. Um, first of all, it doesn't stay in the bloodstream that long. Usually it, it helps you for um, maybe half of a performance and then assuming that you that that all went well it lets you you know uh just continue to perform well even when the as the pill is worn off um so for folks that have occasional uh problems where they feel very very prepared but 
their adrenaline rush is just such where they feel like they can't control it, then this is why we have um, um, uh, drugs like um, propanolol, just to kind of keep the adrenaline from ruling you. You know, it's a matter of personality. Some people are very laid back. Glenn Fishtall from San Francisco was like one of the most laid back first trumpet players that you uh, could ever meet. He was just as cool as a cucumber. And then there were other um, players who were great players who wound up drinking themselves to death because all the only way they could handle it was with alcohol. So, you know, it's, it's very much a personality thing. And some people are, are born warriors and others are not. Well, this last question for the hot seat segment is a doozy, but I want you to get creative with it. It is the end of a performance. The audience is on its feet applauding. They don't want any more and they don't want any less. Everything is absolutely perfect. What have you just done? Give us details of venue, repertoire, your orchestra, it could be real, it could be imagined. Just paint us a picture. I will tell you what you have just described, a very significant, wonderful event in my life. David Zinman was one of the conductors that took us, the Minnesota Orchestra, to Puerto Rico for the Casals Festival. And on tap was also Sprach Zarathustra. Now, we're playing in the hall, uh, the Bellas Artes, and the place is packed. And I'm playing one of those legendary pieces of music where a trumpet player either falls on his face or just goes through swinging and singing. Well, that night was a swinging and singing night. And I, I don't think I could have played it any better for myself. And yes, the audience was... was going nuts. Now, Zinman comes back for the second bow and he's looking, as he's walking in, he's looking at me. So I know he's going to give me a solo bow. He points to me, I stand up. Well, unbeknownst to me, people have, the buzz has gone around and people have figured out that there's a homeboy in the, uh, in the Minnesota orchestra. And when he pointed to me and asked me to stand up, I got the ovation of my life. I uh, don't think I have ever had a more wonderful moment for all the wonderful ovations that I've gotten for doing solo incidental, incidental solos. This one stands out in my mind. It was incredibly humbling to have uh, that reaction to my playing and for who I was um, and what it meant to the folks in the audience uh, to have me playing there. So that was a wonderful, wonderful memory. What, what a wonderful story. So Manny Laureano is my guest. Probably the best way to find him is just on Facebook. Type in Manny Laureano. And uh, Manny, I want to say thank you for getting this podcast started in style in just a fantastic fashion. Thank you so much for having me participate in such a terrific, terrific program. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Trumpet Dynamics, telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. Are you a true listener? 
Visit TrumpetDynamics.com to learn more about the show and subscribe to my email newsletter. You can also find us on Facebook, where we record a live Pay It Forward Friday episode each Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just type in James Newcomb on Trumpet.com into your browser to find the Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we will be in your earballs soon. You're still here. You must like this show or something. Well, I've got a special offer for you for hanging in there to the very end and proving yourself to be a true listener. I have a brand new, and it is exclusive for devoted fans of the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. It is called The Secret Chamber of Don Clarino. It's brand new. I don't even know what's going to come of it. I'm honestly not even really involved in it, but I'm contractually obligated to tell you about it as an employee of the Trumpet Dynamics podcast. So if you want to learn more about it, here's the URL, trumpetdynamics.live forward slash DC, trumpetdynamics.live forward slash DC. It's a short registration process and you'll be in there. Okay. I don't know if I'm even allowed to be in there, honestly, but check it out. See if you like it. Later.